Welcome back to the Move podcast. Uh, we've got Spencer Martin somewhere. We'll find out where that is. It looks interesting. And Johan Bernil, somewhere interesting. Me, I'm back in my usual living room, but uh, I, I'm, I'm very anxious to find out where these guys are. And we're going to dig into the uh, 2023 Individual Men's Time Trial World Championships. And uh, we'll kind of break down a very, very surprise up and comer. I think we're going to spend a lot of time on that and obviously on the winner who's now a champion in, in two disciplines. Uh, we'll get to all that. But first, here is Lance with a couple of messages from our partners. Today's show brought to you by Caldera Lab. Now, we all know first impressions matter. If you're not taking care of your skin, that's going to be the first thing someone notices and instantly either thinks you're way older <laughs> than you are or just don't care about your appearance like George. Show them that you do and make a great first impression. Now, here's a question. Yoan, do you brush your teeth at night before you go to bed? Of course. JB? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. All right. I won't ask George because, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just make it part of your routine. Before you brush your teeth and go to bed, boom. Take care of that face. You don't want to look any older than you are. Um, scientifically proven to help reduce uh, um, wrinkles and aging and uh, be totally optimized. Special offer for our listeners. Head on over to calderalab.com slash the move. Again, calderalab.com slash the move. You get 20% off and you get to look younger. Today's show brought to you by Helix Sleep. Boy, you should have seen my sleep score this morning. So between my, my eight sleep cover and but the, my mattress, which I've, I've been sleeping on the Helix Sleep mattress for years now. It's been well over two years. It's been, it's been a game changer for me. I, it, the fully customized mattress. I went on and took their two-minute sleep quiz, talked about the characteristics of my sleep, and they make the, order, the, the mattress uh, custom. And so it's, it's special for me. The Helix lineup includes 14 unique mattresses, luxury models, mattresses for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. And they also just introduced the newest, most high-end collection called Helix Elite. That sounds like something George would like. Um, by the way, don't take our word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress by GQ and Wired magazines. They also have over 12,000 five-star reviews. Helix Sleep is offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash the move. That's helixsleep.com slash the move. All right, before we get to the uh, results of the championships here, let's start with you, Spencer. Where are you? I'm in, it's a little, the politicized name of the town. It's Murano. If they, that's what the Italian government wants you to say, the locals say Muran. Uh, it's a, a German-speaking part of Italy. It's in South Tyrol. I'm probably 30K from the base of the Stelvio, which I'm doing tomorrow. Quite nervous about it. Very beautiful. I would say the Dolomites are maybe the most beautiful place I've been. I, I can't get enough of them. Come back as much as I can. Great place to bring the family. So this is a family trip, and and you squeeze in some bike rides when you can. It sounds yeah. Like. <laughs> and, and this episode's during bedtime, so this is fantastic for me. You've got me out of a, a pinch here. <laughs> and johan where are you well i'm actually you just found out in in, in our pre-show that i'm not too far away from where spencer is i'm in austria <laughs> um but i'm close to the slovenian border uh i'm actually not far away from um i i, I forgot the name now but uh the the place where the last uphill time trial was in the giro where the primos roglic won so Turns out that Spencer and I are, are not that far away from each other. <laughs> Maybe you can meet him at the base of the Stelvio tomorrow. Yeah, we could, we could ride that together. <laughs> well, let's dig right into this because uh, I don't think uh, there were any surprises that Remco Evenepoel would have a great individual time trial. Now a world champion as a time trialist, world champion last year in the road race. Uh, let's start out with that. Of course, well, maybe there were more surprises of who wasn't up there, but let's start with talking about Remco and what this means for him. Yeah, well, I think it was, it was a big goal for him. You know, he knew on beforehand that repeating the world championships title on the road race would be difficult because it was far from an ideal course for him. And, and we saw during the race that he was actually struggling technically on the course, um, on the road race. 
Um, but he had really, really prepared this uh, event. I actually saw um, um, a video of, I don't know if it was himself or the team, how they prepared and what, what kind of things they researched. Um, I don't know if there's anybody who has not that close to the to the event put so much time into the the preparing of of, of this time trial. He tested on on a, on the velodrome in Ghent in Belgium, different helmets, combinations, skin suits, uh, a bunch of stuff. Um, so he was really, you know, dialed in until the very last detail. And I think, um, you know, if you see how he has progressed during this time trial. He was, uh, I mean, he started fast, but he was a little bit behind Ghana. And then he made up time on Ghana uh, on the second point and the third point. And then finally, he could maintain that difference uh, in, in the last part. So um, I think he was one of the big favorites. Um, obviously, you know, he, we know that he was in great shape. He won San Sebastian. He's preparing for the Vuelta. But this title for him was really, really important. I mean, listen, I, I have you have to think that the guy... He really doesn't like to ride in the team's jersey, you know. I mean, he uh, he was world <laughs> champion, but 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 he was world champ. He's world champion, but just in case he didn't renew, he won the Belgian championships. Yeah, so that's already taken care of. He doesn't need to need to, to wear the trade team jersey, and now he's world champion time trial. So um, so yeah, I mean, the guy doesn't like to ride in the team colors. Needs to stick out. <laughs> His market value is plummeting now. He won't. He can't. He can't race in whatever team he's racing for next year's jersey. So I don't know if he's going to get that Pagacha money once. As you say, I mean the the preparation was was really impressive. I thought it was a water ball at first, but he had his radio taped to his chest in like a perfectly singular fashion. It looked like there was a lot of tape on there. Like it looked like an aero fairing that was illegal, but since the race radio, it's not illegal. I was really impressed by that. I mean, they must have spent a ton of time and money figuring out what's the fastest way to tape this radio on. And I was looking up old, like old quotes from Michele Ferrari, who's very smart. No, it doesn't matter what you think about his, like his morals and his ethics, but the guy knows what he's talking about. Says it can save you like two seconds per kilometer. If you can get the correct shape of your chest, basically, like if you put a camel back on the front, you can save a lot of time in a time trial. So that must have helped him out. And obviously it shows us now him getting dropped in the road race probably had more to do with his positioning rather than his conditioning. It was just, mm -hmm. he was either at the front or at the back and that's not the best way to race in a circuit like that. So the guy's clearly fit. As you say, he won San Sebastian. He won this. I was watching an Italian. I wasn't quite sure. It sounded like he was the youngest world champion in the time trial ever. Or, or also the second 23-year-old to win along with Mick Rogers like 23 years ago, something like that. And is he the first Belgian time trial winner in a long time, Johan, perhaps ever? What, what, what's ever. the story with that? Ever, well, yeah. First of all, first, first of all the, the, let's, you know, the, the World Championships time trial don't exist that long. You know, uh, I think it's it was in the mid-90s, the, the first time that we started to have World Championships time trial. Um, and no Belgian has ever won the, the World Championships time trial. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, coming back on that uh, radio, um, you know, we've seen, and I think this, this comes from triathlon where they obviously uh, go to more extremes uh, in terms of uh, filling, up, filling up certain, certain gaps. Um, we've seen it already in the, in the Tour de France. Uh, Pogacar was using the, the radio in the front. Vingegaard was using the radio in the front. And I guess now it's, it comes to a point where you, they, you know, they use, they put the radio there, but the, the tape they use, they put it in such a way that it really fills up that void. And uh, it has been shown that that's a massive advantage. I wonder so, if we'll see a, a, some kind of ruling on that. I'm <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, yeah, I say will. I'm expecting at some point a certain rule that they're going to say, yeah, you know, nothing can be added to the body. Um, then, you know, you have to ask yourself, well, if, if you put it on the back or in the front, you know, they may they may ban radios altogether. They love to ban things, you know, in, in UCI. <laughs> Although I think at at, so, at some points they've gotten they became more flexible because 
Uh, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Spencer, both in the women and the men's time trial today and uh, and and yesterday. The sock socks length. are back. Uh, yeah. You know they've they've been they've been being so strict on that with this ridiculous piece of equipment they had. They you know they were they were measuring it before the start. I've seen riders uh, with socks really really high. I said, well, that's you know that's that's not they definitely didn't check that. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, Evenepoel, this was his goal. I think it's it's a logical winner. Um, the second guy, I think also, you know, multiple world champion, Filippo Ghana, I think with a less than ideal preparation, in my opinion, because he prepared specifically for the for the track, uh, won the four kilometer uh, world title on the track. So, you know, obviously 47 kilometers, it's extremely long in modern cycling, right? These kind of long time trials before 47 kilometers, you had like two of them in, in, in one Tour de France, but, uh, but this is for modern cycling, uh, long. So, um, I found it also a bit surprising when you saw the, the, the odds, uh, Filippo Ghana wasn't even, not even one of the favorites. I mean, he is a multiple world champion time trial and he almost won it today again. So, um, I think you know those two. Those two were expected, right? Uh, and then the, the the big surprise of the day, I think, is uh, the the 19-year-old kid Joshua Tarling, uh, British rider on Team Ineos. I think it's his first year professional. Uh, but man, what a ride! Uh, what a ride! And what a performance in front of his uh, home crowd. Now, of course, he could have this Josh Tarling. I want to you guys just dump anything you know about him. But he could have done juniors, 19 years old, and he would have dominated. Oh, under, under, 23. under 23. Not under 23. He could have participated under 23, ch chose to go to elite and gets a bronze in his first appearance like that. I mean, that is just amazing. I mean, obviously, I'm assuming that's a good move to have done instead of winning under 23. I mean, I think so. He, he, he said, I he, hate said on before, he said on beforehand, you know, he said, I don't want to do the, the under 23 championships. You know, I'm part of Ineos. I have all these resources. Uh, it's only fair that I'm, I'm doing the, the, the elite. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, listen, these guys know their, their value. Charles, uh, Joshua, uh, he, he knew that uh, if he would have done the the, the elite, he would have won. The other than he would have won. But what is that worth? You know, you never get to wear the jersey because you're riding in professionals, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a medal. It's a medal for the federation. But other than that, I think he is going to be a lot more proud of his bronze medal of today than a world title in the under twenty three category. No. Yeah, if you can finish on the podium of a world championships, you should not be. And I think I honestly think if you're on a first division professional team, you shouldn't be allowed to race U23s. I mean, think Remco could have raced it last year and the man had won two monuments. <laughs> like it's just at a certain point, it's ridiculous. And you just need to kind of move on from that and let undiscovered riders race mm -hmm. those races. But I think if the risk paid off, I mean, third at World Championships, the first teenager ever on the podium, which isn't actually that surprising because how, like, how often would a teenager ever be racing in the World Championships when there's a U23 available? But that's a ridiculous result. I mean, this like Ineos has to be loving the talent that they've signed. I mean, I couldn't. I thought I, I kind of thought something was broken with the timing. I, I, he just kept hanging up there. No one could overtake him. I know he had a good Wallonia. And, he had trouble or he almost beat Ghana. Ghana had trouble beating him, but I assume that was Ghana. You know, sometimes he'll be slightly subpar before big events. I thought it was the same thing. And that when Ghana got to the world championships, it'd be leaps and bounds above Tarling, but not the case, obviously. And the kid is, to the, if you look at the names below him on the result sheet, it's shocking how well he did. Yeah, And especially also the time difference. I mean, he's third at only 48. Eight seconds, uh, so that's that's a second a kilometer. Uh, but the gap he he has then with number four and number five, it, you know, he has uh, 30, 40, 40 something seconds on on McNulty and almost uh, almost a minute on Van Aert. Yeah, uh, fifty forty nine seconds on Van Aert. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. 
<laughs> and then Tyler Pogacar is like minutes behind him. Yeah, let's talk about yeah, well, the results of those few. Wapenart, Pogacar, Stefan Kung, who usually gets great results. Looked like Rohan Dennis had a mechanical of sorts. We we didn't really get a good picture of what was going on there. But uh, is that just race season fatigue for most of those people? It's, in my opinion, it's to prove that you know cycling is becoming more and more specialized, and 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 especially a time trial. You know, if you look at you look at Van Aert, you look at Stefan Kung, uh, you look at Pogacar. Those three guys, those are three guys that first of all they've raced full gas, the road race world championships, which, as far as I can hear from most of them, it's one of the hardest races they've ever done. You know, they were so tired. Pogacar was, I, I read after the, after the race, not, not for the time, but after the road race, they had to take him away. He was, he was feeling unwell and then quickly recovered within the next 10 minutes. And, uh, but he was so empty. Uh, and so you could clearly see if you look, if you see today, uh, the only one who was up there kind of in the, in the deep final was, was Evenepoel. Uh, and 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 now one, but everybody else who gave it full 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 gas uh, on the road race were not there. And then the guys who come from the tour, the same thing. Um, you know, if you if you if if you look at the performance of Walt van Aert, for example, okay, he's fifth, but Walt van Aert didn't come to the to the time trial to be fifth. He came to win, right? And and here you see that racing a big tour like this, and then you know shortly after the World Championships, it takes a lot out of you. If you see that Filippo Gana catches Pogacar and Pogacar was, I mean, he was nothing close to what we used to see there for Pogacar. Normally he would be top five, right? Even if he doesn't have a great day. Yeah, it's kind of a funny discipline, a stand the thought of a standalone time trial, because as you say, it's so specialized. If you did the road race, unless you're Evan and you're ruled out. And then you wonder, like, well, can, like, how is Tarling going to do, let's say, stage 15 of the Giro d'Italia? Like, can he replicate these results? I would probably say just mathematically, if you can put out these watts for nearly an hour, you can probably do almost anything in cycling. You know, if you want to manage your weight to a degree that you can start climbing, some guys do, some guys don't. But I mean, what do we see? Like, what could Tarling do going forward? Like, could he, because he's a big guy, could he lose weight and start climbing? Well, I don't, th I don't think personally that's going to be his objective. The guy's a powerhouse. You know, I mean, I, com I would compare him more with Filippo Ghana, although I do think that he climbs better than Ghana. I've seen him do things like uh, working for Ineos and setting a tempo that I, at the beginning of the season, I said, who's this tall, big guy, you know, of Ineos? And and turned out to be Joshua Tarling. Um, we haven't seen the last of this guy, that's for sure. Because also Spencer, you know, with all due respect, but this guy can improve so much in terms of his position. Also, it didn't. It doesn't. It doesn't look. It didn't look that arrow to me. You know, I mean, he's probably yeah. the most arrow he can get with his body shape. But there's, I think it's still there's still something to do there. Um, yeah, I mean. I don't think we should say it's a surprise because, you know, the fact that he was so close to Ghana in the time trial uh, in, in Wallonia was already an indication. Uh, but this guy, obviously, we're, yeah, we're going to hear more from him a lot more. Do you think we're going to see him you know, remain a specialist, but be a, a, I mean, a key tool to, to drive on the front for Ineos when needed? Kind of similar to what well, Ghana did, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this guy also, the, you know, he's, he, he's, really powerful so I think that is also something that they're going to want him to focus on but, uh, a bit like um, they have this other guy there ben turner the tall guy I mean, yeah he's here but any any nails i think we're going to go towards that kind of races for joshua tarling well let's not forget ghana pretty good classic strider i just pulled this up second of my I, I honestly had forgotten about his classic season how good it was second it's milano san ramo e 10 to e3 sixth at roubaix probably could have probably could have been better at roubaix like that's the guys of the legitimate classics contender in his spare time outside of his time trialing pursuiting teamwork 
so you could imagine the same for Tarling where he's doing classics, some, some teamwork in the mountains. I, incredibly valuable rider to have on your team because he can do the job of like three or four different riders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was nice to see McNulty up there fourth, although it was, you know, a bit of a gap, but still a good ride from Brandon McNulty, almost an American on the podium. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, from, from his fourth, from fourth to third is not far, but the gap is quite significant to, to the bronze medal. But um, you know, we haven't seen Brandon McNulty that much in action since the Giro, right? Uh, so, you know, to come back and, uh, and, and, and be ready for a time trial like this, that's, uh, that's, that's quite a good result. Um, you know, fourth, fourth is the worst place in the world championships, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm sure that, you know, if he sees the, the, the time gap, there's no, there's no hard feelings. I don't think he can find another 40 seconds anywhere. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, in, so in terms of the rest of his season, not going to the Vuelta, but, like, is he going to try to win something like the Deutschland Tour? Like, do you think that's what, or or Quebec race, like the Quebec GP or Montreal, like, and then is that, it's a little funny to me that they don't have a racing at the Vuelta. I guess they figure they have so many young talents there. McNulty would just have to work, probably wouldn't have chances to chase stages. Maybe he wasn't interested in doing that and would rather just try to go win these these smaller like one week races or one day races. Well, I think McNulty is probably better suited for like a week long race as the Tour of Germany than yeah, the one day win that. In the the one day races in Canada, I mean he's he can be up there. He's probably going to be up there with the form he has right now. But you know, winning those races is it's you know being in the decisive move and winning is is different. Uh, I'm also surprised. I would have expected him at the Vuelta. Um, you know, you never have enough talent, you know, especially uh, like UAE. Yeah, they do have Ayuso and they do have Almeida, but, you know, Dumbo Visma's coming with a strong team. So yeah. I would throw, I would throw everything at it. Yeah. I would throw yeah. everything and have at it, you know, to, to be able to rival them. Um, let's, should we go ahead, JB? Oh, I, I I don't want to shift gears if you're commenting on that. I was going to go back to Remco. Oh, no, no. No, I was going to go back to Remco too. So go <laughs> okay, ahead. we're on the same page. Because <laughs> the, uh, the rumor mills around Remco and uh, changing teams uh, uh, certainly have brewed back up and are really going to be steamy after this uh, time trial win. What, have you, what do you guys know about the possibility of him switching teams to Ineos? Spencer, you want to go first? Seems that you have some, yeah. you have well, a scoop. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I, I'm questioning everything at this point. Because when it initially happened, the journalists who reported it, you kind of wonder, well, did they have information? Like, what's going on here? And it kind of felt like they reported it. Are they just saying it to, you know, just try to start a conversation and get attention? It just you kind of wonder that sometimes. And then Lefebvre came out, denied it. Lefebvre is then in a public fight with Remco's dad, who is his agent. It just seemed kind of like a poorly mismanaged rumor at first. But then I kind of started wondering, like, why are we hearing about this? If this really was a and then Johan kind of you you kind of said the same thing, like this is just BS and Lefebvre is well, man- not managing things correctly. Well, I don't think I don't think it's Lefebvre. Lefebvre has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with this whole uh, with this whole story. I think it's purely um, and, and especially just before the world championships. Uh, it, it came again, and I, I actually heard the interview of of the dad of of Remco Evenepoel. You know, they interviewed him, and and he clearly said, you know, well, you know, uh, we have a there's a contract, but we feel like his team, Sudak Wickstep, is not providing him with the best environment. Uh, and 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 he said specifically, they don't have to make one step forward; they have to make three or four steps forward to be at the level of of other teams he's not wrong it's a correct assumption it's a correct statement i think well it's 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 not as bad as as three or four steps that's not i mean listen it's not it's not a bad team but I, first of all i think i think that's complete uh i'm i mean i think it's unacceptable of 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 somebody who represents a rider. let's let's just say it's not his dad it's his manager right 
listen, they signed two years ago and they wanted to sign for four years, right? They knew where they signed. So if you if you insist on signing four or five years, you need to know where you're signing and what's happening. It's not like, okay, we want to sign for four years because we want the security. And after one of two or two years, we try to find ways because we know that somewhere else we can get more money or we or it can get better. I'm always saying, I'm, I'm putting myself now in the, in, the, in the skin of the team manager, right? As a team manager, you say, okay, you want to sign for four years, but what happens if you sign for four years and the first two years are not good? Are you going to give a part of your money back that I'm already guaranteeing you for the, for the next two years? You know, so I personally think Lefebvre is, is, is not a party in this. He needs to, obviously, he needs to respond because these rumors are coming up all the time. And the rumors come from one part. It's from, it's from Evan Apoel's father that they come. And listen, I'm saying this, he's a friend. Remco's father is a friend of mine. Yeah, we were, we were training mates before. I have a good relationship with him. But in this, in this situation, I think uh, he makes a big mistake. It's not professional at all to make those kind of comments. Um, and uh, and it's only, in my opinion, with one intention, it's to keep this insecurity alive. And you know, as long as there's there's other parties who maybe see an opportunity, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, if there's parties in cycling with a lot of money, they say, oh, maybe we do have a chance because everything's for sale. That's the strategy. At the end of the day, they have a contract. Right, and if they have a contract, there's they're gonna need to find a solution if they want to leave. And there's different ways of finding a solution. The best solution is to find an agreement between all the parties. That's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. I'm I'm curious when was this deal signed because there were a lot of question marks by Remco after his bad accident. So the security of a long contract would have been great, right? Because they no one right knew if he was going to come back. Right? It was What's right that? before he won the belt. It wasn't a 12, 12 months ago exactly before the start of the Vuelta. He did an extension into 2026 okay, for so, like two, two million euros a year, something like that. So so Spencer there. So he won Lies Baston Liege once. And he won San Sebastian twice, right? That's it. Oh, he, of course, he won a lot of other races, stage races, but he didn't win the Vuelta yet, didn't win the Worlds yet, didn't win Liege of this year. So Sudal Quickstep or Lefebvre, organization Lefebvre, had a lot of trust and put a lot of faith in Evenepoel to sign him up for so long. Of course, you know anybody would do it because that's a figure, it's, it's a name, you can build your team around and the sponsors want to sign up for a long term to link themselves with project Remco Evenepoel. But, and then, but then it's easy to say, yeah, you know, it's better at Ineos or it's better at UAE or it's better, but let's face it. Remco cannot go to that many teams. You know, there's, there's not many teams that are that much better than Sudal Quickstep. There's, let's say there's Ineos, there's UAE and there's Jimbo Visma. That's it. There's nothing better than and and so first of all, he can't go to UAE. No way. He's not gonna go to, to Jumbo. So there's only Ineos left. Listen, with all due respect, Ineos, it's been a while, you know, since they won a grand tour. They have a lot of money, but they haven't won grand tours lately. And uh um last year Remco won the Vuelta with the support of Quickstep of his team. And we all seen that they're making a lot of uh, efforts to, to enforce their team. They're signing Landa. They're going to sign George Bennett. Um, they, you know, they, 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 they're getting stronger. Uh, but I personally think it's, it's a shame. Uh, apparently today I've read somewhere that uh, on Spanish Eurosport, uh, Alberto Contador is a commentator on Spanish Eurosport. And he said, that it's a fact that you know within cycling everybody knows that Remco is leaving the favorite team and go is going to Ineos with an, his entourage, whatever that means, cyclists and staff. I don't know 
what kind of information Alberto has, maybe more than me, but I, I, I think it's very difficult, very difficult uh, to happen. Um, they could eventually try to uh, call upon uh, not fulfilling the conditions of the contract, whatever, I, I don't know how they could do that. But if this goes to uh, in the judicial war, I think it's going to be a, a really bad thing for Remco. Uh, he doesn't need that kind of. And and at the end of the day, we're talking about rumors. And in my opinion, unless unless Remco really wants this to go on, it's very simple. His dad says this: "Let the favor answers." It only you only need one one statement from Remco. Hey guys. I'm really happy at my team. I have a deal until 2026. I love my teammates. I'm not going anywhere. End of story. It's as simple as that. Now, the fact that he's not doing that tells me also that there must be some kind of desire from him, whether it's under the influence of his dad or if it's really what he wants. Otherwise, it, it would be simple for him to make that statement and everybody stops talking about it. Well, I think... Well, so everything you're saying logically sound like he, you really shouldn't in the middle of your contract want to get out. That doesn't make any sense. But also when Lefebvre is asked about it, he should just say, instead of saying, I'm, I, I could sue him. Maybe don't say that about your employee. Just say, I don't know. I think Rimko's happy. Go ask him. Unless he says he's not happy. I wouldn't believe anything his dad says. Probably would be the better thing to say. But if we get try to get inside Remco's mind and, and you're completely correct by saying like, he's not Pogacar, he doesn't deserve Pogacar money, but in his mind, he's saying, I'm getting paid 2 million euros a year. My equals who he, people he considers his equal are getting paid like 6 million euros a year. I'm way underpaid. That's not true. He's not underpaid last year. His contract is 2 million and he got almost 2 million in bonuses last year. He earned 4 million euros. Not that he bad. Out of those it's, it's not. It's not that bad for a 20, 23 year old kid. <laughs> and then they they they, they, pro they probably have all kinds of side deals back home, different speaking well, engagements and and well, endorsements. No, no, probably not. Probably hmm. I think they're minimizing on that. But uh, what I think personally is that, yeah, you know, it's uh, he has his dad as his agent, but let's not forget his job of. Father Evenepoel is not being an agent. That's not his background. So he probably could have signed a contract with a lot better provisions in there in case his son was doing extremely well. And that's probably the frustration. That, that's my takeaway. That's probably the frustration mm -hmm. of them that say, shit, you know, we signed this four-year deal and now we're stuck. And yeah, okay, he has bonuses, but, you know, what I personally, for example, you know, you could say, and and they probably would have signed it. Uh, you know, if you say, okay, you have a two million. Let's say you have a two million euro contract, right? We're going to say any rider. I mean, a, a great rider, two million, and 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 he gets one million in bonuses during the year. That's three million. Well, what I would do is, I said, I would say, okay, but those bonuses get also added to the next year's contract because that becomes your value. Right, it's an easy clause to put in the contract, and and if a team really believes in that rider, they will sign it. Right, so in the case of Remco, he signs a two million deal, he gets one point nine million in bonuses, his value becomes three point nine million the year after. That's his fixed contract. So you get the bonus plus, that's your fixed for the year after. You didn't tell me I was going to have to do. You didn't tell me I was going to have to do math here. I'm getting a headache. Is, 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 this is a, a this is a little like kooky theory, but so let's say Lefebvre sells him for ten million, right? That's that's the price tag that to buy him out of the contract. Oh, Spencer, Lefebvre I'm going just... to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there, Spencer. That's that, that's that, that's not you can't envision that because one thing is. Lefebvre, he's the team manager, right? First of all, he is only 20% shareholder of the team. The other 80% is Zdenek Bakala, is the Czech guy who's an investor, has been an investor since many years. Okay, let's just assume that both of those guys 
say, okay, you know what? It's time to cash in, right? Let's just sell it to Ineos and we just, okay, let's, and what are they going to do about their sponsor contracts? Sudal, quick step. Uh, specialized. Well, specialized probably that could be worked out because specialized would love probably to go to Ineos. And, and since Pinarello has been sold to another company, Pinarello is probably going to move to another team, most likely to an Italian team, Swiss Italian team. Um, but but you know these these sponsors also made their, their commitments and they have based their marketing strategy for the next years on Project Remco Evenepoel. And now all of a sudden they're going they're not going to agree. Lefebvre is going to get sued by his sponsors. Mm. But if we invert that, and instead of thinking of the contracts as a hindrance, think of them as a positive. So they could, Remco leaves. Oh no, so sad. Well, they've just lowered the cost of running the team by a ton. You get just a minimum, but you just kind of run it on a shoestring until 2026 when the agreements run out, you retire. You've saved a ton of money that's going straight into your pocket if you're Lefebvre. That's, I would be tempted to do that if I was him. What about the sponsors? Say, oh, I'm so sorry we lost Remco. Oh, so unfortunate. <laughs> one, listen, one, the thing, one, one thing you need to know, and this is very, very specific for Patrick Lefebvre's teams. All of his sponsors, except Specialized, are based on personal relationships. They're not just national, they're local to him. You know, there's, there's, been, uh, there's been sponsorship deals and renewals that have been signed on, on a napkin after a restaurant. You know, that's how close he is with those sponsors. And so, you know, it's, it's, they're not, it's, it's not going to happen like this. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be, no, I don't, I don't think they can, uh, it's, it's, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not up to speed with, with the news, but it's going to take a lot for this to happen. It seems like it's going to be tough for him to come back. That's, that would be the thing I would be worried about. Like, is this, this seems like it could never really repair the relationship. It's not been a fantastic. No, no, that's not I, I think, I think the relationship, I personally think the relationship between, between Remco and, and Patrick and Remco and the team is great. I think the relationship between the agent of Remco, which is his dad, <laughs> that's probably another, and that's obviously a problem for Remco. So maybe it's time also for Remco to say, hey, it's not in my best interest that my dad is my agent. That's probably the correct theory to, or correct uh, assumption to come to. I would agree with that. I couldn't imagine it that this level being a parent and agent. It just seems like no. a, ba a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by AG1. This has become a part of my daily routine. Like it is just brush my teeth first thing when I get up. Then I'll have some AG1 followed by a cup of coffee. It is like clockwork every single day. And what it's done for me has been great. It's, uh, it just really has helped improve my overall health, my gut health. And there's enough science now linking, linking gut health to mental health, which is a good thing. And just an overall good feeling. Putting in 75 high quality ingredients that give you the daily nutrients you need, this, the uh, energy support you need, focus, strength, and clarity, all in a daily scoop. And one of my favorite things about it, and if you've tried any kind of powder drinks before, which I think all of us have, some of them just don't mix up. Even if you take it to a blender, this, you just pour some water in it, quick stir or quick shake, and it goes down really smooth, not chunky, tastes good. And all of that only costs less than $3 a day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement and routine, then try AG1. When you do, you'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and 10 and free AG1 travel packs. Order it and get started today. Just go to drinkag1.com slash the move. That's drinkag1.com slash the move. Today's show is also brought to you by Ketone IQ. I am uh, sitting here in my kitchen and I have the... Uh, the box right in front of me. And you know, one thing I'm really excited about, here's just a little, little shot right here. 
do that every day. And uh, it's funny. I, I, I know I sh- if you guys listened during the tour, I shared a lot of the story, how it's really helped with my mental clarity, focus, all of that stuff. My wife has noticed a difference because <laughs> I've been on it for like three months now. And she has started taking a shot of ketone IQ every day. So I'll get back to you soon uh, and let her know how that's affecting her. But she was having, you know, the same kind of issues I was a little bit of brain fog, not real focused and definitely not good, sustainable energy throughout the day. With Ketone IQ from HVMN, problem solved. So subscribe to it. Try it for a few months and uh, get back to me. Shoot me an email, jb at wedo.team. I bet you'll see some results. You can save 30% on your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash the move. Again, visit hvmn.com slash the move and subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. Last but not least, this show is brought to you by our friends at Ventum. We're all on Ventums now. If you haven't heard, George has switched to Ventum. Of course, Lance has been on it for some time. Myself have the NS1, the GS1. And uh, it's so funny because, you know, especially here in Austin, everyone was getting gravel bikes. It's become kind of a thing. And I was on the fence for a long time. And I can't tell you how much fun I've had on the GS1 and how it complements riding the NS1. It just, I have a couple of these urban loops where I go in and out of parks and trails and back on the road and just kind of mixing it up. It's made it a lot more fun to ride, you know, just having more variety uh, with the different bikes. And you can get into a GS1 with SRAM Apex AXS for just $29.99. It's just hard to believe that you can get into a complete bike for that little. And then, of course, you can spec it out how you want, uh, do higher end components if you want, nicer wheels, different handlebars whatever you want. In fact, the process of going through it uh, online at, at, at VentumRacing.com, it's very helpful, very detailed, and you'll be surprised at how much you can customize your bike. Save 10% off, and 10% off on a cl- complete bike really adds up when you use the code WEDU. That's W-E-D-U at checkout. And that is at VentumRacing.com slash the move. All right. Now we're going to go to a completely other end of the spectrum. We're talking about whether it's two or three million a year, big budgets, some of those top teams. What I want your comments on, guys, is as I turned on the time trial today very early, I'm seeing riders I've never heard of from countries I'm not familiar with. And some of them not even on time trial bikes. I'm like, so (laughs) enlighten me a little bit of you know, some of these riders coming and representing their country, which I'm, and I'm, and I'm don't want to diminish any of this They're, you know, what an opportunity to go race in the world championships, but seemingly don't have a chance uh, and don't even have the right equipment. So yeah. what are your thoughts on some of these countries entering worlds? Well, uh, JB, you know, for starters, you know, there's, there's two riders per country, right? Who, who can participate and most um, so some countries have only one and if you see that there's 77 starters you can say okay there, there's 40 starters too much here too many <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, but you know if you, i mean with all due respect you know professional riders from mauritius ghana cape verde what is this here eswatini eswatini never heard of this have you ever heard of the country eswatini no um, no, <laughs> the Ghana, Guam, Afghanistan, I mean, the St. Lucia, uh, Vatican, the Vatican City. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a bishop no. uh, on a bike? That's not very aero. There was, there was actually there was actually a rider <laughs> the Vat- of, of the Vatican City uh, in the road race, and he was a forty-year-old Dutch rider. I don't know how that came across, but um, no, I mean, those countries, obviously, they're there to participate. Uh, That's it. Um, As you say, JB, you know, there's a a huge difference in terms of equipment. But I mean, with all with all due respect, I mean, the 70 number 77, um, you know, how long was the time trial? 55 seconds, 55 minutes, and yeah. 30, 30 minutes behind. I'm sorry. That's, this should not be allowed. Yeah. Know? I think there should be a certain standard, you know, 
at least please be able to ride more than 40 kilometers per hour. Yeah, not 33 kilometers per hour. <laughs> yeah, they um, can't base it on points because these riders have no UCI points. They're not in even in any of those races. Yeah, I mean, and in track and field, it's what Johan's saying. You have to hit an international standard. Yeah. So even if I am the fastest cyclist in Guam, I have to hit some sort of standard. You know, they probably should have something like that, but I I would be I would be tempted to do it. If I was from Guam and I was in the shape I'm in right now, I would go. <laughs> you'd say, like, yeah, I, I was at the world championships this year. And like no one's gonna ask you, like, oh, how'd you do? Yeah, you know, I did pretty good actually. Uh I was only 10 minutes oh, on the winner. No one knows what that means. I you, you could say I finished. I finished. I finished. Yeah, I was up there. Yeah. I saw Wout Van Art go by me. It was uh I was he was just right there. Yeah, but also you know one of the things also JB with with those let, let's call it non-traditional cycling countries right and cycling federations, uh, some of those guys are there because they get offered the spot, because the World Championships is also for those countries uh, one of their highlights of the season. The officials of the federation they go on a trip, uh, yeah. and also also I think it also fits into the existing president of the UCI always, whether it's this one or the former one or whatever, they always try to gain votes already on beforehand. Right. And so these little federations, if they're invited, you know, to the world championships mm -hmm. and the state, you know, you're, you're, you're part, but you're, you're there with the big ones. That's a vote. That's a vote for the next term. Gotcha. Now well, that's making sense. <laughs> All right. So they can we stay. should also in. mention that. So let's just say, like, I'm just looking. There's a guy in Uscatel, really small team in Spain, 40th place, only like 15 seconds behind Mateus Pacek, who, who's a really good rider. Let's just say you show up, you're on a small team, you're on a road bike, you finish decent, you get 50th at a decent speed. I mean, from a non-traditional country, maybe you could like hold that up as some sort of resume builder of like, you know, I was somewhat competitive on a road bike at the World Road Race Championships. And it like gets the conversation started at least because like, I think Biniam Germaya, didn't, Johan, didn't he like go up through the UCIs? They have this like development program in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure he was not lighting the world on fire from day one. You're just kind of like slowly building and trying to get a foothold. He was he was quite talented, uh, Spencer. You know, in juniors, he was one of the only guys to beat Remco Evenepoel, Binyam Girmay. Um, but he came through the UCI formation or development program, which is which they put together for non-traditional cycling countries, right? Um, well, the best example is Chris Froome. He, didn't he go to the World Championships for Kenya, and he like had to pay his own way, and he could barely ride his TT bike? Do you remember this? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I saw the. I, I know the. I know the. I know the. The footage that he went off the ramp and ran into the official. <laughs> yeah, and it turned out pretty well for him. <laughs> I got to dig that up, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on some other events that happened this week before we wrap today. But also, um, you know, I don't historically on the move we have not paid a lot of attention to mountain biking. Of course, we talked about Pitcock mm -hmm. and the Olympics. Vanderpool got us all excited about the mountain bike race. Uh, could he win in both disciplines? Um, but there's a bit of controversy around this world mountain bike race. Fill me in. Yeah, so it's tomorrow. Tomorrow's the the elite uh, world championships mountain bike. As 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 you said, you know we have Matthew Vanderpool, we have Thomas Pitcock, uh, and of course we have the elite specialist mountain bikers. Um, and uh, and yeah, I was surprised to see there's this this discussion. Of, I mean, it's not a discussion anymore. It's been decided yesterday, and it, there's they're happy about it. Um, I mean, first of all, I would love Matthew van der Poel to be up there and and fight for the world for the world title, right? But the rules say that in the world championships, since he has not done any. World Cup races, uh, he has no points this year, that he has to start from the last row in the World Championships. More or less the same goes for Pitcock, but I think since he is 
European champion. And then since he, uh, he has done one World Cup race, I think he was a little bit further up, but not in front, not in front. Uh, and now, all of a sudden, yesterday, the UCI, out of the blue, has changed the rules. Um, the rules, they apply the rules of the World Cup mountain bike races, which is different than the World Championships. Apparently, in the World Cup mountain bike races, they take into account the ranking of any participant also in other disciplines. And of course, Van der Poel is, I think, in the top, he's in the top 10 on the road. I think he's sixth or seventh on the road. And he's, I guess, number one in, in cyclocross. So now instead of, and for Pitcock, the same goal. So Pitcock benefits from it also, not to the same degree as Van der Poel, but still, you know, now instead of being on the last row, Van der Poel is all of a sudden on row five which is a big difference in the start, especially, you know? So I, I think on the one hand, it's great for the race because we want, we all want Mathieu van der Poel to, to be up there. And, but on the other hand, it's the proof that, you know, I mean, you, you, you can, you just, I think the day before the world championships, you can't just change the rules and, and, and the UCI does it, you know, they can do whenever, whatever they want at any time they want for the benefit of, whoever they are interested in. And of course, it's in the interest of the UCI that those two main global figures, as is Van der Poel and Pitcock, are competing for the world title. And that's the reason why they changed it. I, I think it's bullshit, but... Have any of the, you know, specialty... Let me be clear, JB. Yeah. You know, back in the days, if, if I would have been in a situation that it could have benefited us, I would say, hey... Great. No, <laughs> thank you, UCI. <laughs> but as but but from this side of the of the line, you know, I'd say it's 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 really not fair, you know, to the to the guys who you know have to qualify. But then but then also I was in discussion with the you know, and this is even more off topic. <laughs> you know, we had the world championships grand fondo, right? That that's like for whoever wants to put no, you also have to qualify, right? You have to qualify for certain uh, certain events, so it's in age categories. We have, we've had those events now. To my big surprise, because I know a few guys, a few Belgians that did races and they qualified to participate in the World Championships. And to my big surprise, who's at the start line without having done one single race? The UCI president, Mr. Lapartien, is part <laughs> of the race, and and starts in the front line and if you see the video i'll send it here we can insert it starts and he almost make crash two or three riders at the start so they can do anything <laughs> doesn't matter i was gonna ask have any of the you know mountain bike specific riders been vocal about this or are they just there's nothing you can do anyway just keep your mouth shut and go ride they your bike they know, yeah. The, I think I think it's more team managers than than riders, you know. The, and and plus they know that's once the UCI makes a decision, there's no coming back. There's never no way coming back. They're not going to change. Well, is it I, I want your thoughts on it, Spencer. But I I can't help but think like, you know, pick, using Pitcock and Vanderpool because they spend so many time so much time in other disciplines, but they deserve to be up there. They are talented enough to start with the front bunch, which is our listeners all know how critical that is in a mountain bike race. I don't know. What do you what do you think, Spencer? Uh, I kind of agree with you, JB. Uh, I mean, they, they must be aggrieved because people, I'm sure, spent tons of money and time chasing these points throughout the year to be at the front. And then it's like, wait a second, I could have been at like my local 2.1 road race racking up UCI points <laughs> instead of traveling to all these World Cups. But at the end of the day, I, I do wonder, I'm sure they think some of these guys are like clowns, like, okay, Matthew Vanderpool, you're just going to come in off the tour de France and race mountain bike, but it does help them because it takes, it brings so much attention. Like, do you remember the year Sagan was in the world, it was in the Olympic mountain bike race. Um, it was, I thought that was awesome. And then I remember the guys at the front who won the, who were competing for the win because Sagan was in that race. Maybe I don't watch that race otherwise. So it does bring more spotlight to the mountain bike event than if they weren't allowed to do it or if they were at the back and weren't really competitive or that invested in it. 
Yeah, you make a good point. It's kind of I'll add to that. That's kind of they used to talk about the Tiger Woods effect when when he was in his heyday and he would show up at any tournament, even though we knew he was likely going to win. It just raised everybody. Everyone got more TV time. Everyone got more sponsors. Everyone made more money. It had that sort of effect. This could be really good for mountain biking. It, It is. It is good. That's that's not the point, JB. That's not the point. The thing is that. They changed the rules. I mean, and and this is not no surprise. They've they've done it. historically. They've done it. Either they change the rules or they force a certain interpretation of the rules, however it fits them, right? And th- but then you know, on the other hand, you see that you have these UCI rules. Don't do that the day before the race, man. Come on, this is ridiculous. You know, uh, make it a debate or make it you know speak and say, listen, you know, it's better for everybody, right? And I'm pretty sure that the mountain bike stars who, who make a living off of mountain biking, they would see the benefit, but not the day before the race, you know. And then it's on the ridiculous. other hand, and, and then on the other hand, you see that, for example, after the road race, you know, and there you can see you see that it's 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 really up to you know, it, it really depends on in which mood they are, you know. Mm-hmm. Little example: uh, Pogacar finishes the race, the road race. He is dead falls down they have to he was he was feeling unwell you know and then because he he decides that he's super tired and he doesn't want to spend 10 minutes in the mixed zone to give interviews he gets fined because it's your obligation as a rider you have to be there i mean this is, makes no sense you know like listen the guy's dead give him a break man come on it's like <laughs> you know so so there i mean Anyway, this is an eternal eternal debate. We are here criticizing them. I mean, I I like to criticize them, uh, but you know they don't care. Even if they hear this, they don't care at all. They're just going to move on. And right. hey, thank you, thank you very much. We <laughs> made hard fifty dollars out of the world championships. <laughs> if Cade would have done that interview, no one complains more about answers they don't deem to be interesting than cycling journalists, people would have complained like, I don't know. He wasn't very interesting. His answers were short. Yeah. Come on, give me some, like the guy is like in an, in an ambulance, maybe give him a break. <laughs> all right. Who knew we would uh, go this long talking time trial, but this is all good stuff. Uh, we want to fo- touch on some other things that happened this week. Probably one of the main stories, uh, not all that dissimilar to Remco is Chloe Digert who had a, if, if you haven't seen her accident from a few years ago, it's not for the faint of heart. It's brutal hitting a guardrail and the top of the guardrail literally almost sliced her leg off. Uh, coming back three years for this win is huge. Uh, it's an amazing comeback, you know, but it's not a surprise because, you know, she started um racing again i think I mean, or at least in europe i think she came to the vuelta first and she was close already in a few in a few stages then uh she did the giro uh didn't do the tour de france but you know what a comeback for her uh 3 years after you know but she she won dominantly that 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 time trial first and then when she would defend the the the, the time trial title she had that accident and now um, wins it again um, a week after winning the world title on the on the velodrome in the four kilometer pursuit, um, or is it the three kilometer? I think it's three kilometer pursuit in in women. Uh, yeah, I mean she's 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 a super talent. It's, you know, it's, it's there's nothing to say. Big engine. Um, yeah, she was unbeatable. Uh, here again, you know, the same thing happened. Um, Demi Vollering, the big favorite, you know, coming fresh off the Tour de France, win very dominantly, was never able to be close to the medals. And then the big favorite, uh, Marlon Reusser, the European champion, time trial, even abandoned, uh, which was very strange and, and kind of unique in a time trial. One of the the favorites, not because of a crash, not because of a mechanical, but just purely all of a sudden, and she just exploded in her head and said, hey, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is it, you know, and just stopped, went to sit on the side of the road and said, okay, I can't do this today. 
it's I think it's it's the proof that you know, and even in women's cycling, uh, we have we've always talked about you know the 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 men's cycling and how dedicated it is and how how the scientific approaches we can see this in women's cycling also. She just broke mentally. And uh, it was it was sad to see. I, I saw I saw a lot of criticism on her on, on social media of people saying, yeah, you know, why, 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 how can she do this? You know, abandoning a tantra. I mean, listen, when the body says stop, it's stop. And, you know, when the mind says stop, it's even more stop. You know, it's it's nothing you can do. And I think you have to respect. Uh, she, she may have felt that way before she started and try and just tried to give it a go. But it's, yeah, it's it's exactly what she said. She knew. She knew that this would not be good, and she, you know, she got convinced by her, you know, her team that yeah, she could do it. And then finally, she she saw during the race, okay, this is this is not going to work, so she just quit. You make an interesting point, Johan. Is, is as women's cycling grows, more races, more obligations, more commitment, more wear and tear, and we've talked about it uh, on uh, in the on the show before, a lot of them have other occupations, you know, and families and other obligations. So as the sport grows, you know, the, the money needs to be there so they can dedicate all of their time and attention to this, uh, yeah. like the men are able to do, but yeah, more and more, more racing than ever. Mm -hmm. It also shows yeah. us. Yeah. Go ahead. Cindy's, like to be a world champion level, individual time trialists and standalone events, it's hard on your mind. I mean, it's a crazy thing to do to go into that much pain for essentially an hour voluntarily. Like I, it like makes me want to vomit, even just thinking about it. And I, the shelf life tends not to be long. Like even think about Tony Martin, like he was a really good writer for a long time, but there was really only a, a smallish window of his career where he was consistently winning these big, big, big time trials. And You'd think if physically at 32, is he really that much worse? Probably not. I think mentally you really mm -hmm. just, it's hard over and over again to do this. And you hit a point yeah. where like, why am I doing this? Cause she was fantastic at the TDFMs. Like she put in great rides, won the final time trial. And then the standalone event, I think it just adds so much pressure to you. And it's hard to sustain that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, now we know if Spencer, given the chance, would represent Guam, but now he'd also be vomiting on the course. Oh, I'd go slow. <laughs> I don't, don't get me wrong. I'd be, I'd be stopping along the route. <laughs> uh, one other mention from this week, because he's come up on the show, is uh, Ben Wiggins picked up a silver medal. Yeah, silver medal in the juniors time trial. And, uh, you know, next next month, we we have our... Uh, the Move Mallorca event, and and last year Ben Wiggins, Ben uh, and his dad Bradley spent uh, quite some time with us there, and uh, so he was a year younger still. I think he was still sixteen then. He's now seventeen. Mm -hmm. So um, I mean, what a ride for him, you know, uh, home crowd. Um, I mean, not. I mean, I think he lost like what twenty seven, twenty eight seconds. But uh, I mean, to put out a performance like this. In the footsteps of his father, you know, time trialist, special specialist already, I think European champion on the velodrome where his father started also. So yeah, things are looking good for him. It was I was it was really nice to see him there in in second place. All right. I think that's about gonna wrap it up. Any other lingering notes there? Spencer, you always have something, some sort of stat that you just pull out and hit us over the head. <laughs> I do have a question for you. <laughs> now I'm wondering, Ben Wiggins, Rimco's domestique next year. Is is Enios thinking about bringing him on? Maybe this is what Rimco wants. He sees a big talent there. But <laughs> Johan, I <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I can't get out of my head. Is Remco doing too much this August? It feels like a lot. Winning San Sebastian, World Road Race Championships, time trial, and then now the work begins. It feels like a really tough schedule. I follow, I follow you completely. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long Vuelta for Ramco. He's obviously gonna show up in great shape. He's, he's gonna show up in great shape, but it's a three-week race. It could be uh that that this because you know it's it's shifting the focus all the time. You know, he was until just before the the, the road race. 
he was preparing for the Vuelta. He was reconning some of the mountain stages, uh, some of the big climbs that he didn't know. Um, obviously, you know, I mean, listen, he's, he's in great shape. Uh, and he has a world tie. He has a world. He has a rainbow jersey. You know that nobody can take that away from him for the next year. So it's that already in the pocket. You know, it's it's not a guarantee yeah. he's going to win the Vuelta. So I would, but you know, finishes five weeks from now. I think that's I would, a long time. If they would have told me ever in my career, hey, listen, you know, you can win the world championships time trial, and then you know we'll see about the Vuelta year. You may be good. You know, you may be a week too long. I'll say, hey, I'll take that rainbow jersey home. That's just bonus. Yeah. The Vuelta <laughs> is just bonus if it goes this way. If not, what a season, right? But he, you know, and on the other hand, he kind of has to, he kind of has to win the Vuelta, you know, with all the all the stuff that's going <laughs> yeah, on. Exactly. I want to be up there. I want to be up there with Vingegaard and with Pogacar. I have the same numbers, I have the same power uh, output. I want a better team. Okay, why don't you start with winning the winning the Vuelta again? Yeah, that, and then then we'll see what what's gonna happen. Yeah, if and he doesn't win it, he comes from a Rempel fan, huh? I'm a Rempel <laughs> fan, so, uh, but you know you have to you have to stay focused, and you have to stay with both feet on the ground. And uh, let's see, let's see what happens. On a quick note, I, you guys probably saw or heard it. Uh, it was. Uh, was it palace who said in the road race he was at like eight watts per kilo for a couple minutes like i'm not surprised <laughs> all these all this talent up there at this level and it still wasn't enough like yeah just incredible incredible and then we've already talked about it on recent shows how stacked this vuelta is i'm looking forward to that more than ever but uh, one, one, one last one last thing uh, nothing to do with the time trial or with the vuelta uh, but with the world championships, the junior, the junior who won the road race is called Albert Philipson, Danish guy, also won the world championships mountain bike. Wow. Oh, wow. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Did he get to start up front? <laughs> well, hey, on that note, I'll let you guys get back to your, your families, your interesting trips. Thank you for taking the time to break away from all of that to do this. This is really, really interesting. And who knew we would do one of our longest shows just on a quick time trial <laughs> check in. So uh, I appreciate you both. Thank you, Johan Spencer. And uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks, Thanks. We'll see you all.